Hi, I'm Michael G. Williams, and welcome to Social Distancing Radio. I'm a novelist, and a reader and friend asked if I would read from my work as something they might find comforting and familiar amidst the uncertainty and anxiety we're experiencing from multiple sources in 2020. As of this opening, I've read Perishables, the first book of my five-book vampire and urban fantasy series, The Withrow Chronicles, published by Falstaff Books, aka falstaffbooks.com. If you'd like to pick up a copy for yourself, head over to bit.ly, that's bit.ly, slash perishables link. Now I'm reading from my short stories and other works, and occasionally I'll invite on a writer friend for special episodes called Public Domain Radio. Thanks for listening. Lorraine did the things she knew to do, drawn from some unexpected memories, some half-remembered reading from college days. I do not want to know you, and I will not know you. Don't try to come nearer. Ship of fools. Auntie Anne's book at their first wandering of the night had looked familiar to her, and Lorraine now remembered a line from it on her own. Percival dragged himself forward and stood a few feet from Auntie Anne, hesitating before taking the next step. Clearly terrified of his own body and the terrible weapon he had become, Percy squeezed shut his eyes and stood, blind and wavering, mid-advance. Warren said, I feel as if I were a piece in a game of chess when my opponent says of it, that piece cannot be moved. He drew a rapid, shallow breath. Kierkegaard. Maria grinned. You taught me language and my profit on it, she said, her maiden's voice high. You taught me language and my profit on it is I know how to curse. The Tempest. Kill them, slave! Harold howled the command, fighting back against the witch's magic, the jelly jar clutched in one of his hands. The air around them surged and bucked with magical energy. I hold your blood. Auntie Anne, last to speak, narrowed her eyes at Harold and whispered, For words are slippery and thought is viscous. The education of Henry Adams. The vial slipped, suddenly slick between Harold's fingers and shattered against the library floor. Percival remained, wavering. His features twisted, his eyes screwed shut. Harold growled as though pushing a great weight with tremendous effort. Percival took another slow, grinding step towards Auntie Anne. The vial of thick, black blood had been destroyed, but the magic was still working. Percy stood no more than three paces from his ancient love. Auntie Anne suddenly laughed, a girlish sound, shocking in the darkness and candlelight, in the frozen moment of their mutual doom. Of course, she said, of course. She clucked her tongue, ignoring the struggle Percy waged at the center of their magical tug-of-war between the others. Percy's blood isn't the most precious thing he's ever known. She smiled. And my father's blood was not so precious to him either, considering how eager he seemed to water it down in the end. Percy took another step, just two away, and Auntie Anne stepped forward to close the gap. Her hand lifted to touch the razor's edge of that monster's skinny jaw. I was the most precious thing to each of them, and it's my presence here that gave you the power to summon and bind them both. Auntie Anne spoke calmly, clearly, more so than Lorraine had heard her speak in a very long time. Quicker than anyone could see, there was a silver knife in Auntie Anne's hand. You can't intervene! Harold cried out in desperation, straining with all the will his wilted frame could muster, pushing with the potent magic of hate. You told him so yourself. You can't intervene on his behalf. You set your intention. You made the rules. Auntie Anne lifted the knife and smiled. I may not be able to do it for him, she said, or for you. 
but I can refuse to be a part of magic without my being asked. I can do that for me. I won't watch it happen, and I sure as hell won't be used. The knife touched the flesh of her wrist, and blood welled up bright red in the candle. The book people could feel the magic break, a gust of energy cutting through the room. The candles blew out, and the library fell dark. The four of them and Percival stood in the parking lot 30 seconds later. They had heard Harold's labored breathing and quiet sobs behind them as they left. Lorraine didn't have it in her to look at his face just now. She was pretty sure if she looked him in the eye, she might sick Percy on him after all. Might I speak, Annie? Percy seemed sincere in his reticence as he addressed the crone. Frail and porcelain white with those eyes like moss in the rain and hair like the setting sun. It was easier... It was easy to hear his age when he spoke, but hard to remember when looking at it. With arms crossed over his chest, his back hunched, his posture uncertain. There's nothing to say, Auntie Anne said. Percy licked his lips, his fangs were gone now, and spoke as though he'd had to spend a long time gathering up the bits and pieces of the question. Will you forgive me for what I did to you all those years ago? Auntie Anne looked at him, met his eyes, and then looked all over his face, at his long black coat, at the boy she had known when she was just a girl. I thought you weren't here to ask me that. I changed my mind. No, Percy. Auntie Anne's voice was soft. But you just forgave him. The boy sputtered, one thumb stuck backwards at the library. No, Auntie Anne corrected him. I wished peace upon my father. That isn't the same thing. I forgave him long ago. Percy blinked his glowing green eyes without comprehending. Please, Annie, please. I need to be forgiven so I can let this world go. I'm trying to up stakes and travel, the way I was supposed to do a long time ago. Beads of red sprang up in the corners of the old child's eyes. He raised a hand, fluttering as though to reach for Auntie Anne's face, but he didn't have the courage to do it, or maybe he had the wisdom to stop. Please, look at the harm I can cause. I don't want to live like this. Auntie Anne's voice was steady. No, Percy, she whispered. There's no point to forgiving you now. I'm sorry. Percy looked around at the others. At Warren, who scribed without ceasing. At Maria, whose cheeks were wet. And at Lorraine, who watched him and Auntie Anne with the protective eyes of the mother. And then back at Auntie Anne. I know I did you wrong. I'm sorry. Tell me what to do to make it up to you, and I'll do it ten times over. Set me any task. I'll do it, and I'll sing the whole time, just like I used to sing. Auntie Anne smiled and put her withered, spotted hand against his jaw again, as she had inside. For just a moment, Lorraine could see the girl instead of the old woman. Percy, she said, barely able to speak. Haven't you listened? My forgiveness didn't change. She drew a long breath. Everyone hurts people. It's a part of being alive. Accept responsibility. Don't accept it. Either way, it won't erase the pain they felt. The only way we make it up to the world is to gain a little wisdom, to keep from doing it again. She shook her head at him. This was more words in a row than Lorraine had heard Auntie Anne say in some time. I can't forgive you now because I forgave years ago. Not when the wounds were still fresh, but later. When I got old enough to know I needed to, if I was... Auntie Anne's other hand reached out to touch Percy as well, her palm against the center of his chest. I won't give you permission to die, Percy. Instead, I require you... That's my price for bringing you... Live to do better than you've done and learn to hurt people. That's the hard matter, but it's the only kind that will forever. Blood ran in thick streams down Percy's cheeks and the two of them leaned together, the wise crone with the girl inside, and the petulant boy hiding an old man, and kissed. And that's the end of that story. Oh, wow. I'd forgotten a lot about that story. Um, So I'm going to talk for just a second about that story. Uh, Partly, I think I talked about this a little bit after Daddy used to drink too much. Um, 
partly I find this little trilogy of short stories very affecting because my own father died last year. And I'm just going to say that there are a lot of complicated feelings around that um, because that was a really complex relationship. And I had a lot of, uh, I'm just going to keep saying complexity and complex. Um, There was a lot of texture to my upbringing, uh, particularly around religion and what was okay and what was not. uh, Finding out when I was an adult that my parents had known for a very long time that I was gay and had gone out of their way to make sure that I felt bad about that. Um, while simultaneously thinking that they were being rape providers was a lot to unpack, and I'm still working on it. That's why my therapist gets a copay. So, um, that's complicated for me to have read. Uh, second, I totally forgot the Warren existed and was the scribe in the book people. If you've read the Withrow Chronicles, then you know that by the time the book people show up in the fifth and final book, nobody gets out alive. There's no Warren anymore. He's, like, not even mentioned. And uh, Grant, long gone. And if you compare the cast of the book people to the book people from the third book of the Withrow Chronicles, Deal with the Devil, then you'll notice that there's, like, a bunch of book people missing. And that's because eventually the book people just got boiled down to the characters that I found really interesting. I really find Lorraine, Maria and Auntie Anne, the most interesting members of that coven, they embody, respectively, the mother, the maiden, and the crone, and their dynamic is what drives the magical engine at the heart of the coven in question. So they're the ones that I kept writing about. Wow. Poor old Warren. I'm sure that eventually I'll write him back into something, just as an aside, to mention whatever happened to him. Um, I think that's probably enough blathering from me. I'm going to stop now and see if my audio test work and then i'm going to post these and then you get to listen to uh coming up the last week of august i'm going to be hosting lucy blue who is a well-known and uh, very prolific author and she's going to be joining me for public domain radio we're going to get that recorded this week and then i'll get it out the week after that and then i'll dive into complications my machine of death story so talk to you then thanks for listening Thanks for listening. This podcast is released under Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. The theme music is Bucked Contemporary Boom by Kara Square, available under a Creative Commons Attribution License at ccmixter.org.